Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Today, we are continuing our series, The Struggle is Real, where we're looking at common struggles we all deal with. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at our struggle with our identity and marriage and parenting. The struggle that we're going to look at today is a struggle we're very much seeing play out in our kids' lives. And our kids have a lot of struggles. Struggles like anxiety and depression, fear of the future, technology and bullying. But the biggest issue that they are having to face is that of gender identity. Is gender a social construct? Who are they? Who should they be? Personally, I've hesitated to talk about this from stage because when it comes to a very personal issue like this, I would rather meet one-on-one. But so many parents are trying to help their kids when it comes to this issue. I just figured it's time that we need to talk about this together. For many of our kids, this is a real issue. For some, it's a deep internal pain, a feeling like they're born in the wrong body. For others, it's a peer issue. Should I be fluid to be inclusive? What does it mean if I don't fit into typical gender categories? I'm feeling pressure to be non-binary, which means not male or female. Does this mean I'm trans? What do I do with that? But the struggle is very real for our kids. And by struggle, I mean they just aren't sure. They're confused. They're just being bombarded with messages online. They're being taught things in school. They're having conversations with their friends and experiencing peer pressure. They just don't know what to believe. I mean, am I a boy or am I a girl or am I something else? Should I be attracted to boys or should I be attracted to girls or both? They just aren't sure. But do you know who else is struggling with this? Parents are. My daughter acts like a boy. My son wants to be a girl. If I push back, will they threaten suicide? Am I hurting self-expression? Will I ruin our relationship if I overreact? I talk to people and I've just heard story after story. Some people, they just felt like they always related more to the opposite sex. And because of that, am I somehow broken? Others, they just, they have questions. I was born a man, but then became a transgender woman. Am I still welcome here? Others who transition, then felt guilty. Should they transition back? So I felt like we needed to talk about it both for our kids and for us. And please hear me on this. This is not to take a stand. It's not politically driven. It's not about an agenda that we are pushing. The heart behind this is to help real people who God values and we value and how they can find freedom and clarity in Jesus. That's what this message is about. Now, before I get into the message, I want to set a few ground rules with you. And here's the first ground rule. I don't have time to address everything. Over the last few years, I've listened to hundreds of podcasts and read books and had conversations all on gender identity, and I'll continue to do so. And as I was working on this, and I actually did so with a group of other pastor friends of mine, I realized that I was not going to be able to address everything in a 35-minute message. And there might be some things in this message that you go, hey, what about this or what about that? Well, because we knew that that would happen, we have a resource page that will hopefully make up for what I missed. Here's the second ground rule. 
it's okay if you disagree. You know, we live in a culture right now that tends to think, well, if you disagree with me, then I want nothing to do with you. I'm going to block you and follow you, not listen to you, not spend any time with you. I've even seen Jesus followers doing this. Not only is it not healthy, but if you're a Jesus follower, it dishonors God because you dishonor people. Listen, you may disagree. You may think, oh, you quoted from the Bible, but I'm not sure if I believe the Bible. Listen, that's okay. You're still welcome here. In fact, I'm glad you're here. Or you might think, I just don't agree with you. And listen, that's okay. I always tell my kids this. And as a Jesus follower, I just think we should live by this. We can disagree with someone and still love them deeply. The two, they can go together. So then rather than disagree and bail, would you be willing to just give me a shot? Now, some of you, you will agree with me. Will you do me a favor and not comment in the chat or comment anywhere else? That alienates people. And you know what? We never want to do that here. Here's the third and final ground rule. We speak the truth, but we do it in love. We try to do our best to follow these words from the Apostle Paul when he wrote, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. The picture used to describe the church is a body. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body, which is the most important part. But if we want to grow in maturity to become more like Jesus, we will need to speak the truth, but do it in love. Here's what an immature Jesus follower does. They are all truth and no love. They'll say things like, well, I'm just telling it like it is, or I don't care if you're offended. And what they're saying is, I don't care about you as a person. I just care about being right or winning the argument. Or it's the other way, and it's all love, no truth. I'll say whatever you want me to say, or I'll agree with whatever you think. But if that were true about gravity, that wouldn't be very loving. In fact, here's what John, one of Jesus' closest friends, here's how he describes Jesus. He says this, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He wasn't 50-50, he was 100% both. There are actually two ways to discern truth. Here's the first way. Facts determine feelings. It's, this, is what is, this is what is true, what we can prove, and then our feelings will follow. We act our way into a feeling. But over the last 50 years, there's been a huge cultural shift and it's turned into this second part. Feelings over facts. And so here's what we do. We start with our feelings, our personal preferences. I'd like this to be true. And then we find others who agree with us. And then we engage in things like groupthink and social media, peer pressure, news outlets. And then we go to this one. We like the Bible to support this. And so we find our verse that suits our needs. We take it out of context, try to find loopholes. And then we let Jesus become the mascot for it. Well, Jesus just wants us to love. Well, you know what? Jesus also brought truth. He was 100% truth and love. And that's what we want to do here. So we want to do both by starting with facts. And so if you're here today and you struggle with gender identity, you are welcome in this church. If you're watching this and you, what I say you disagree with, listen, you are welcome in this church. Our church is not against you. Our church is for you. We really do want God's best for your life. And so you, you may not agree with everything that's said in this message, but my hope is, is that you would hear our heart, that we love you, and we really are grateful to have you with us. Now that's the setup, and so let's jump in. 
And here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna address three main questions, and here are the questions. What makes a biological male or female? Second question is, what does the Bible say about males and females? And then here's the third one. If you're a parent and your son or daughter comes home and says, I think I might be transgender or I might be non-binary, what should you as a parent do about that? So here's question number one. What makes a biological male or female? Some of you think, well, that's obvious. But more and more, we're being challenged to leave that open-ended. It's like, well, let our kids decide. Gender is a social construct. This might surprise you. But within the scientific community, among biologists, there's consensus about that question. And the consensus agrees on three primary char characteristics. Reproduction, that men and women have different ways of reproducing. External anatomy, that men and women have different body parts. And then the third one, the presence or absence of a Y chromosome. If you have a Y chromosome, you are a male. So when it comes to science, it's fairly consensus about this. It's reproduction, external anatomy, and the presence or absence of a Y chromosome. So if you tend to follow science, that's what science says. But does that settle it? What if a person has incongruence? Which means if there's just something that's not lining up between their biological self and their internal sense of self. I mean, which one determines who they are? In other words, if a person was born a biological male, but from a very young age, they had this inner sense that they should be a female, which trumps the other? Well, there are two things to consider. The first thing is something called gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is a real scientific condition that produces great pain in people. Here's the definition of gender dysphoria. It's a state of severe distress or unhappiness caused by feeling that one's gender identity does not match one's sex as registered at birth. But as you see, it's a very small percentage of our population. And this is something that you don't grow out of. It doesn't fluctuate back and forth. It's constant. But for most of us, it's something else. It's this, gender stereotypes. For many who have decided that they are non-binary, they're often just not feeling like they fit in with the gender stereotypes that they've grown up in. You know, this is why Facebook for a while had 71 options when it came to your gender identity. So now they just let you customize it. Now let me pause here for a minute. Because one of the questions that we get a lot from parents is, well, what if my son or daughter seems to really be into stuff that is normally associated with the other sex? In other words, what do I do if my son is really into pink and princesses or my daughter wears her hat backwards and doesn't want to wear a dress and is really into fantasy football? Does that mean that they're transgender? Does that mean that they're non-binary or they should go on puberty blockers? The answer, no. And the reason I say that is because that there's a difference between the two. And here's the two, gender stereotypes are culturally constructed. Gender is biologically identified. And there's a difference between a gender stereotype and a gender absolute. Let me give you an example. In 1918, the Ladies' Home Journal wrote this. Pink, being a more decided and strong color, is more suitable for boys. While blue, which is a more delicate and dinky, is prettier for a girl. Now imagine that for a gender reveal party. Pink is a boy, blue is a girl. Now what's happened since 1918 culturally? There's been a shift in gender stereotypes. I want you to think about your own kids. You've seen changes in interests from dolls to sports to film to dance to video games. Did their gender change? No. 
just their interests. You know, if you're watching this and you're a girl and you're going, well, I don't want to wear a dress. I want to wear jeans and a hat and I like playing football. That doesn't mean that you're transgender. Doesn't mean that you're non-binary. Doesn't mean that you need to have a sex change surgery. It simply means you don't follow stereotypes. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. My real concern here is with parents whose child shows signs of being interested in things that normally you would associate with the opposite sex. And then based upon that, the parents decide to make a life-altering decision and to have a surgery that changes their child's gender. It's a massive misunderstanding of sex and sexual identity. Just because your son or daughter is interested in things that culturally are identified with the opposite sex, it does not mean that they're transgender or non-binary. In fact, in the Bible, we read King David. He wept and played the harp and wrote songs. Meanwhile, in the book of Judges, Deborah was leading the nation of Israel into battle with a sword, fighting people and cutting down people. My point is this. Gender stereotypes are culturally constructed. They are not biblically mandated. But when it comes to this issue of what makes a male or what makes a female, scientists are pretty clear. It's reproduction, external anatomy, and the presence or absence of Y chromosome. Science would say that the doctor didn't assign your gender. They identified your gender. And they identified based on those three characteristics. Okay, here's the second question. What does the Bible say about being male and female? I mean, do the scriptures match up with what we're seeing as what scientists say about being a male or being a female? Now, people will often point out that Jesus never used the term transgender, and you know what? He didn't. And so people will look at that and go, okay, well, Jesus never used the words. Clearly, the Bible doesn't have much to say about it. But the reason that Jesus never used the term trans transgender is because Jesus was Jewish. And he ministered to a predominantly Jewish audience, and within Judaism, the issue wasn't con controversial at all. It was pretty much settled. Now, I'm not saying that there weren't people in the first century who were, were dealing with transgender identity issues or who were desiring to be transgender, but what I am saying is that the Bible had spoken clearly about it, and it wasn't an issue or a debate. This is what Jesus' audience would have read. They would have read this. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so the Bible says that we're made in God's image. And the Hebrew word for image is often used to refer to an idol. And an idol was a physical representation of an invisible God. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying that all these other gods, like the golden calves and other kinds, are physical representations of the invisible God. But for the God of the Bible, his physical representation, what's made in his image, is men and women. In other words, men on their own do not encompass the image of God fully. Women on their own do not encompass the image of God fully. But together, men and women bear the image of God as male and female. Now you may say, well, male and female are just human constructions. I mean, they're just some term or category that we came up with. It's just a psychological, social kind of construction. Well, if that's the case, then the next verse doesn't make any sense because in the next verse, here's what he says. He says, be fruitful and increase in number. And I want you to notice the progression of his argument. He says, humans are made in the image of God. They are created male and female, which includes reproduction, external anatomy, and the presence or absence of Y chromosome. 
Jesus, he picks this up in the New Testament. And he's talking about marriage and divorce to a crowd of religious leaders. And he refers to this passage. He says this, he says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And so if he were going to discredit these distinctions, this definitely would have been the time. But I want to pause here for a moment and make an important distinction. The Bible never condemns transgender people. The focus is on behavior and there is a difference. There's a difference between desiring something and acting upon that desire. You can have a desire for something and that's not necessarily a sin. It might be a temptation, but it's not a sin. There might be a desire to be gender fluid and think that affirms others or makes you break out of the social constructs and gives you freedom. But in the end, it'll only make you more confused. But I would also say this to you, not all desires and feelings are meant to be acted on. If I acted on every desire that I've ever had in my life, my life would be a mess and honestly, I would probably be in jail. Just because you have a desire to be the opposite sex or to have a sex change, does it mean that you should do that? My hope and my prayer for every boy and every girl, every man and every woman, is that you would know that you are beautiful and special and valued and that you are loved the way that God created you to be. Here's what King David said, and he's speaking to God. He said this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's room. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that full well today? Do you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you know that God knit you together in your mother's womb? Do you know that you were made in the image of God, male and female, and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Sometimes, we try to take matters into our own hands and we say, God, you know, I know what your creative intent and design was, but this is how I feel. This is what I want to do. And my prayer today is that we could trust in God's creative design over our life and that we would have peace in who God created us to be. Third and final question. What should a parent do if their child says that they are transgender or non-binary? Let's just start here. Love your son, love your daughter. Don't abandon them in the struggle. If anything, move closer to them. You may not agree with every belief or behavior in their life, but they should never doubt your love and loyalty to them as their parent. Now, I do need to say this. There's a difference between love and affirmation. I'll hear people say this. Well, if you love me, then you'll affirm my every belief or behavior. And while love and affirmation, they are related, they're not the same thing. If your child came, home and said, oh, I feel fat. I'm going to swallow a tapeworm and starve myself to death. What would you do as their parent? Well, you love your child, but you would not affirm their feelings. You see, it is possible to love someone and also not affirm every behavior or belief, especially the ones that go against God's creative design. Let me share what the research overwhelmingly says. And let me just say this before I do. You can find a statistic to back up anything you want. But of the most reputable and well-regarded sites out there, here's what they're saying. They're saying the studies show that young people who transition to a different sex are at a higher risk of depression, suicide, 
and psychological disorder after they transition. The studies also show that if young people are given some time to work these issues out on their own, that in a healthy environment, they will often come to the conclusion that they are their biological gender. Now, what should this teach us? I believe it should teach us to not make a life-altering decision for a young person before their brain is even fully formed at the age of 25 to 27 years old. So here's what's often happening. A son or daughter comes home and says to their parent, I think I might be transgender. Or maybe they could see it coming, or maybe it's out of the blue, or the result of a, a friend group, or maybe they were taught this at school or online. And so then they take their son or their daughter to a therapist, and here's what they hear. Well, you better have a sex change, or put your kid on puberty blockers, or they're at a high risk of suicide. Yet, listen to this about puberty blockers. Puberty blockers can have an adverse risk on a person's blood pressure, they increase your risk of blood clots, heart attack, stroke, and cancer. They can lead to diabetes, and if you're on them for two years or more, you most likely will be infertile. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything else in life that contains those sort of risks for a young person that we would advise them to do it? Listen, can we just let kids be kids? Can we just let kids not have to figure everything out in their life by the age of 15? Can we just stop pushing our adult political agendas into a kid's life and make a life-altering decision before their brain is even fully formed? This was Kira's situation. When Kira was 14, she started questioning her gender. Her parents took her to a clinic where they encouraged her to transition. She went on puberty blockers and she eventually had her breasts removed. But at age 20, she came to the realization that she made a horrible mistake and she sued the clinic and she won. And you know what? She's not alone. As I close, I wanna to speak to two groups. The first group I wanna to speak to is those of you who would say, I identify as transgender. Again, I just wanna say, I am so thankful that you are viewing this message. But you might be thinking, you know what, Mark? I don't feel very loved. My gender is my core identity, and I don't feel welcomed. Or you made a transition, and you wonder if you are now beyond the reach of God's grace. Can I just ask you this? Who are you at the deepest part of your being? What is your core identity? All of us are wearing a shirt right now. And on the back of the shirt is a label. And for some of us, the label says Gap or Banana Republic or Nike. But here's the question. Who gets to label that shirt? The maker does, right? I mean, the maker is the one who has the right to label the shirt. Let me ask you this. Who has the right to label you? Is it other people? Is it our culture and the cultural trends? Is it politics or politicians? Or is it ourselves? It's like, it's my life. I get to label myself. Or is it our maker who has the right to label us? I believe that our maker is the only one who has the right to label us. And that our core identity as people is not our sexuality, it's deeper than that. Our core identity as human beings is we are a child of God. And if you're a Jesus follower, this is your core identity. It's who you are. You are a child of God. And so my prayer is, is that maybe not overnight, but over the course of time, your beliefs and behaviors would begin to line up with your true core 
identity. The second group I want to address are the people who have others in, in your life who identify as transgender, and it makes you mad. I mean, you feel the need just to take a stand and speak your truth. Sure, you can vote and lobby and protect our kids at public schools, but can I just remind you of this verse? Paul said this, it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. You know, I've never argued someone into the kingdom of God. I've never yelled someone into becoming a Jesus follower. I have never posted about a hot button issue on social media and had people go, hey, would you just tell me more about Jesus? It's because it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. It's God's kindness that leads to life change. There might be someone sitting next to you in your work, at your school, at your church. And you know what? They don't know what to believe. They have thoughts that they don't necessarily want to have. And they have feelings that they don't necessarily want to have. They're struggling with their own gender identity. And if all they hear is us railing against this because it's become some sort of, you know, political issue, they're not going to come and talk to us. They're going to go talk to someone else. Yes, there's a time for righteous anger. Yes, speak the truth. But always do it in love. But the question I want to ask you today is this. Is there someone you could show kindness to? Is there someone who's on the other side of this conversation that you could show deep love and kindness to this week because the world will never hear our truth if our grace is not felt? Let me pray for us. Father, um, I thank you that we can, as we talk about struggles, that we can talk about any struggle and we can do it here and we can do it with you. And uh, Father, the reality is this is a big struggle. And Father, I, I pray for all those who they would say, I, I'm really wrestling with this right now. And God, they would just experience your love and your grace in just an extra special way. And God, for those of us who have, have looked at this issue and uh, maybe we've been hardened or even angry about it, God, may you soften our hearts. May you help us approach this with, with love and grace and kindness and truth as well. Father, um, I would pray that our church would always be a place that we can have these type of conversations and we can wrestle with these things together, that we can actually disagree with each other and still love each other. Father, uh, most of all, I thank you for Jesus. And as Jesus laid out for us, what does it mean to be fully human? That as we follow him, we discover what does it really mean to live in truth and to live in grace and to follow you in the midst of it. We thank you for it and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.